For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Let's pray one for another. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege it is, God, together, together, in your name, where we feel and sense and know that your presence abounds. We thank you, O oh God, for the health and the provision and the way that you have made for us to be a position for this encounter today. God, we ask that your word is already anointed, but Lord, would you anoint our ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us, that we might be quickened and we might be challenged and we might be changed as a result of your revelation and impartation into our lives. Holy Spirit, beginning to end, have your way. We are here for you. You are here for us. We yield to you and we submit to you. Have your way in our lives. Be pleased with who we are and what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Uh, We are struggling as a society to regain our compass. We seem to have lost all control. And all you have to do is turn on any news network and just listen for a few moments. And you'll hear bizarre things. And I realize from a media and marketing standpoint, that's that's their angle, to get the wow factor. To get you to read the bottom line in a caption and to state it to draw your attention away. But aren't you like me often befuddled and amazed at how far and how far depraved society has gone? I mean bizarre things. uh, Vile things. And it seems that everyone wants to be heard but no one wants to agree. Everyone feels and reserves the right to protest but even the protesters aren't in agreement. They just want to be heard. They want to be seen. They want to be noise. But they don't want to be understood. They want to be allowed to have their own way. But I promise you, just as Lincoln said it as well, as soon as we give so much freedom, there will be chaos invoked on any nation. There must be rules, guidelines, statutes, and standards. For example, if all I ate was Krispy Kreme donuts, as much as Pastor loves them, it would not be good for me. There has to be constraint. Into order. There is a divine order over all of humankind. There is a God and and there is a fallen creation that He is seeking to have a relationship with. There are absolute truths within this world today. But as we look and see, we in this world we've lost the compass. We hear hatred and pain as they rule the day. Where decency and morality was once revered and respected. It seems as though gaining popularity and notoriety in today's world can only be attained by performing something outlandish and outrageous and even obscene more than the previous person who attempted it. We seem not to know what is black and white. Black and white is not clearly defined right or wrong anymore. Rather, it's relegated to a people group or a pigmentation of the skin where one feels that it must share its disdain and revile for the other. It's black and white is not a cop thing versus a robber thing. It's not a superior or inferior thing. Black and white is whatever is in the divine word of God. Regardless of whatever I choose to believe or you choose to believe, the Word of God is the ultimate and only absolute truth that is black and white and it will continue to stand the test of time. 
We've, what we've, we've done for our current generations and we've done them a great disservice in allowing them to believe that there are no absolute truths. Everything is discretionary. Everything is based upon the mood of mommy and daddy. Everything is based upon how well I meant it in my heart. This world has absolute black and whites. Don't believe me. Don't pay your house note for several months and see if you still own it six months later. There are absolutes. And this generation, this millennial and generation X, Y, and Z, and Q, and who, and everybody else, they have lost the compass because we have forgotten to remind them there are certain inalienable rights and absolute truths that are passed down from God to his creation. There is this Bible full of them and they are absolute wherever some believe, all believe, or none believe them. They are still God's absolutes. I'm not certain there has ever been a generation so confused, so damaged, and so directionless as we have today. Common decency and respect for authority, respect for human life, respect for oneself, or respect for one another have been completely omitted and now we scramble as we even suffer with the same crisis even within the church. I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church. I started going to church nine months before I was born. My whole life has been in church, but I have never seen the church more divided than it is today. I had family come town this come in town this weekend, and and, and we had a, a it began as an interest, and then it became a little bit of fun, and then it became a little bit of sadness as we rode. And I won't tell you the territories and towns we rode in, but they're in this area and these surrounding counties. And we began to count all of the Baptist churches and a particular name, and I, I won't name the affiliation of a certain Baptist church. And I said, man, they're as bad as bad as the Church Church of God. They, they, that, that we seem to have divided over the smallest of little things. We'll divide over whether the preacher wears a tie or don't wear a tie. Whether they sing new music or whether they sing old music. Whether they have a piano and an organ or whether they play with a guitar. And we'll divide over the simplest, smallest of factions and fractions. And folks, we are missing that there's still an absolute truth. There is still an absolute heaven and an absolute hell. And you and I remain here to do one thing and that is lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus, uh, and to come and with Jesus seek and save that which is lost. The world has changed. People have changed. The hearts of men are cold. They're more cynical. People are hard. They're desensitized to evil. And we just seem to be critical and cold. Independent, self-motivated, self-focused, and self-centered. Why are we in this position? There are many things I could purport and present to you today as a potential key contributing factors, but, but I'm a preacher, so I'm just going to cut to the point. We have lost the doctrine of regeneration. Ephesians chapter 2 says, and you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. 
That's who we were. We, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But verse 4, there chapter 2. But God, who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sin hath quickened us together by Christ because by grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness through Jesus Christ, by grace ye are saved through faith, and not ye of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He says, you are a perverse generation, but God sent his only son to save fallen man, to show forth unto the whole world that you, anyone and everyone can come out of the lust of the flesh and out of a sinful life and walk into his glorious light and walk in the paths of righteousness. And if I can do it, you can do it. If God can save David Kodak, he can save you. If he can save Jason, he can save you. If he can save Cruz, he can save you. If God's done it for me, he can do it for you. If God can break the chains of sin off my life God can set you free regeneration God gives us a new heart he gives us a new spirit Ezekiel chapter 11 says it this way therefore say thus saith the Lord God I will even gather you from my from the people and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered. This is the children of Israel here. And I will give you the land of Israel and they shall come thither and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all of the abominations thereof from thence. And I will give them one heart. I will put a new spirit within you and I will take the stony heart of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, they, that they may walk in my statutes and keep mine ordinances and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. We've lost this component. Not only do we not talk about sin, but even more paralytically, we omit the fact that there is a regeneration process that happens to us when we get saved. When you get saved, you can do anything you want to do. Your want to just gets changed. When you get saved, there's a regeneration process. And Ezekiel 11 says, I will take your heart of stone. I'll take your sinful heart. And I will give you a new spirit. I will give you a new heart. I will take from you sin. And I will implant into you a heart for righteousness. We're not holy because we're good. We're not holy because we think we've earned it. We're not holy because we come to church or 
You might pay your tithes or you might even put on a tie or wear a skirt. You're not here today because you're holy for any other thing except God changed your mind about it. God changed your heart about it. God did a work in you that you regenerated that you didn't want to do those things anymore. He takes sin away and puts righteousness in so that we're now grieved by the Holy Spirit when sin enters the life of a believer. If you believe that, can you give the Lord praise right there? They asked Jesus, but how can man be born again? How can he enter his mother's womb a second time? But we must be born again through the blood, through the spirit. It's a spiritual work. And God's saying here, I will gather you all together and I will take your stony, sinful, wretched heart and I will give you a new spirit. I don't know about you today, but I want to have a new spirit. I want to have a right attitude and a right mindset about people, places, and things, sin, and the things of this world. How I can be an impact of change, not condemnation, not ridicule. My God, we've got enough of that. But what I want is a heart of compassion that will lay across the fleshing floor and pound the floor of heaven and say, God, grant them a new heart. God, send somebody to witness to them, to love them into the ways that the way somebody loved me into your kingdom so that they too can make a difference in this world. God gives us a new heart. God gives us a new heart that we might walk in his statutes and keep his ordinances and do them. They shall be my people and I will be their God. You will never live this life good enough on your own. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit to be the Lord of your life every day, you're going to fall flat on your face just like you did before. And you'll do it so long, the devil will tell you you'll never be able to do it. There's a lot of people that grew up in church and at church here today that aren't here because they believe the lie that the devil told them they couldn't measure up. Because we used to measure everybody. Oh, yes, we did. We'd grab that measuring tape out and we'd measure up. Me, David, my Lord, you, you was going to hell in a handbasket. You had hair touching your earlobes. Good Lord. I know you, we ain't going to talk to you. You never, you never would have stood a chance. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We sent more to hell than we ever rushed to heaven. I'm glad you didn't grow up in the church I grew up in then. <laughs> Regeneration. God gives us a new heart and a new spirit. If God's not done, if, if you come down here and say, Lord, forgive me, but nothing changes within you, all you got was a good case of the do-betters. You didn't stay down there long enough to get regenerated. Because if you think the same after leaving the altar as before you got there, nothing happened. You didn't stay there long enough. You just felt a little bit of guilt and remorse because somebody's called your hand and somebody's drawn the line and said there is an absolute truth in this relationship. There is an absolute thing and you have crossed the line and I'm no more. Now all you're worried about is not crossing the line with God and getting on his line. You just want to make sure that that thing is taken care of and you're not staying there long enough for a true regeneration. But God wants a holy, sanctified people set apart that he can pour his spirit upon to witness to those who need a loving and gracious God it's not for our goodness or for our will or for our agenda it's God's agenda I read to you the text earlier the reason you need to stay saved and to act saved is because God is wanting to use you that's why we're regenerated 
Regeneration produces good things. We also read in the context of Scripture that even, even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Now, I'm not talking about self-appointing fruit inspectors here in the church. We've had enough of those. I've already mentioned that. But if you're righteous, righteous works are going to follow you. You don't have to get caught up in works and making sure everybody sees you. If you'll be good in your heart, good will flow out of you. Because when you're good in your heart, that's all that comes out of you. If you're bad and evil in your heart, guess what's going to come out of you? Bad and evil. If you're bad and evil and your heart is a heart of stone and the Spirit of God's not there... You don't have to worry about, about doing evil. It's just naturally going to happen. You don't even have to try according to the word of God. Because if you're an evil spirit and you're an evil tree, you can only produce one thing. I mean, no sinners, sin. That's one, one reason why doctrinally, oh, I love the sound. Boy, Ernie Haas in the cathedrals, they used to sing that song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It would touch my soul. But it doesn't change my spirit. As long as I give the enemy credit, convincing me, telling me, and I'm an evil tree and I'm a sinner, and he wants to treat me as less than and beneath, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I used to be a sinner. I was a sinner that was saved by grace, but I'm not still a sinner. I'm the righteousness of God. He called these hands holy. Now, not because I'm a do-gooder, but because he's holy. And if his spirit is within me, who am I to say that this same hand is evil when he called it holy? Who am I to say that I'm a sinner when he's called me saved? I'm either one or the other. There's an absolute truth. God is in me and God is with me or God's nowhere around. He's a jealous God. He doesn't just dangle and hope play second and third and fourth fiddle hoping for his opportunity. There is an absolute holy sovereign God and he's knocking on the door, but he don't come in until you open it up. This regeneration is a process. We used to use another term called sanctification. This generation has lost its understanding of doctrinally what that means. Notice Jesus spoke against the order of the law of Moses being works motivated. See, he said, I didn't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill the law. Because you've judged me on the outside. But God looks on the intent of the heart. God judges me inside out. And if God is looking on the inside of me, how dare I say I'm nothing but a sinner. No, God has already put a holy, righteous heart within me. A heart that wants to do good. And when I feed his spirit within me, good works are going to follow. Good works will outflow. I can even not be all that, but good's still going to come out of what I do. See, the law judged your heart on the outside. Jesus said, no, I'm going to change your inside and what is produced is holy. Third point we need to recognize is that in this regeneration process, what is your relationship with sin? And that will tell me, what is your relationship with the Savior? What is your relationship with sin? That will tell me your relationship with the Savior. These should be in contrast to one another. There was a husband. He was a pretty good man. 
he was having a bad week. He got up and got dressed and realized he had overslept and he was late for work. He hurries and scurries and he gets his clothes on and he's about to fly out the door. And his wife, timid, sweet lady, said, Honey, you're about to forget the trash. Please don't forget the trash. He turned about, Be quiet. I'm late for work. Don't you know you can get it? I've got to go to work. I'm late. Oh, my goodness. He goes off to work. She's heartbroken, offended. Well, three weeks later, she's been inviting him to church. He goes to church and he gets saved. Everything's good. Well, Monday morning rolls around and service went long that Sunday night. Then they went to Hardy's and had a burger and a hot dog with all the church folks and got home late. He overslept again on a Monday morning. The boss has already told him, you're going to be in trouble. You come in late again, you may not have a job. He gets up late. He's hurrying. He's scurrying. She says, honey, wait a minute. You almost forgot the trash. Don't forget the trash, honey. He, does. he says, woman, don't you know I'm late for work? I can't lose my job. Nothing can, I can't, I've got to keep this job. Would you leave me alone? Why can't you take out the trash? He thought it was going to be different just because he got saved, didn't he? Difference was, though, however, he's been at work for a couple of hours this morning. He's sitting in a meeting with his boss. All the team is there. But he has to get up and excuse himself from the meeting. See, his immediate response didn't change. But because he's had a regeneration, now that he's had time to change his reaction and his human nature, he understands that the Holy Spirit's convicting him. And all he can do is sit in that meeting and think of how rude and critical and mean he was to his wife. He slips up his hand and says, Boss, I'm sorry, I've got to be excused from this meeting. I've got to go call my wife and I've got to take care of something really important. You being a Christian don't mean that you'll ever, never act in your humanity. You still might say something rude. You might still offend, especially for those you feel most comfortable with. You still might just be a jerk sometime. But because the Holy Spirit of God is in you, you can't stay that way long. What is your relationship with sin? This time goes by and he evolves and he grows and he apologizes to a wife recognizing that he can't be that old guy because all things have passed away and behold all things have become new. See people get disillusioned and distracted when 30 and 40 years of behaviors don't change instantly. While they'll be greatly influenced you must understand your relationship and close proximity to sin will change. You will never be a perfect human being. When you wake up in the morning your breath will still stink. You're holy but you're fleshly. It still will happen. But that doesn't make you any less sanctified and any less redeemed, any less loved and any less anointed and appointed for God's purposes for your life. Being a Christian doesn't make us perfect. It simply means our attitude and our spirit towards sin has changed. God changes that, not us. He puts a new spirit down within us. You see, with, with humankind, human nature, the devil has been out to destroy our relationship with God any way he possibly can. And the best way he knows how to do that is through any measure and line of thought and thinking, feeling, and emotion. It, it's called sin. When we are in sin, Satan comes to us. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 says this, For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Is not, not, none of this is of the Father, but it is of the world. Let me have Cody. Let me have uh, Dylan. 
Let me have a cruise. Y'all come down. Cody, you look sharp today, man. Look at that. Thought you might be preaching today. Great Lord. <laughs> I knew I'd get him. Okay, the devil comes to us through what? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Ooh, which one of y'all won't be which? Just kidding. I'll call the rules here. All right, here we go. Come here, Brother Cody. You're going to be in the middle. You, you, you did such a good being soulful last week. You're going to be my soul. All right? And uh, come on, Cruz. I'm going to put you in the back temporarily. You're going to be. Now, wait a minute. The last shall be first, so don't get upset. I'm doing something. Your spirit. Okay? Your body. So the devil... The devil, when you're in sin, this is the divine order of God of the human soul. This is your human life. We discussed last week. We're in agreement. We are trying beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. So this is one person, three compartments, much like the Trinity, one Godhead, naming God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, as spirit beings, you're, you're a human being, but more importantly, you're a spirit being. Your spirit will live forever. This human capacity, thank God, is only temporal. Amen. Amen. I get to shed this ugly thing. Glory to God. The devil comes to us with lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Okay? And this is our human body. This is Satan's order of dominion. This is Satan's order of attack. He's going to attack the senses of your body. That's why what you see and what you hear, what you smell, all of those five senses are important that you guard the gates of what you see, you hear, you speak, you listen to. It's important, vitally important, what comes to your body because that's the only gate the devil has. Because when you're regenerated and your spirit, switch for just a second and then go back. When you're spirit and you're saved and you're regenerated, God reverses the order. God doesn't talk to your body first. He talks to your spirit first. God is a spirit. And he seeketh those who worship him in spirit and in truth. So God speaks to us through our spirit. The devil speaks to us through our bodies. You got it? One more time. God speaks to us through his spirit. And the devil speaks to us through his body. Now what they're both trying to get is to save and sanctify the soul. But they can't get to that except through one way. God's getting through the spirit to the soul. Reminding you, you're not fallen, you're not broken, you're not damaged, you're not wounded. You're going through a tough time, but I'm God and I am love you. And I'm your daddy. And everything you have need of, I'm going to take care of. You don't need to worry if God be for you, who can be against you. You're a champion and you're overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. And I'm telling you, whatever your soul is going through, whatever your mind and will and emotions tells you that's happening in your life, I'm reminding you as God, it's all going to be all right. You are mine and I am yours. And you can never lose this body because this body He's going to pass away someday and you're still going to be spirit and rule and reign with me eternally anyway. So put your spirit in front of your soul and do what I've asked you to do. Here's the problem. We exalt. Come on, body. You're back alive now. We exalt this body. 
We take care of this body. We shine and polish the body. We look good. We try to buy a good suit for the body. We try to buy a cool watch for the body. Try to shine our shoes for the body. We try to look dope for the girls on the body. Yeah, we, we work on this body even if we ain't got... Don't you be rolling your eyes, girl. You done said I do, and since you said I do, I did, and it's all good, and you stuck. We work on this body. We primp this body. We cut this body. We cut that hair. We dye that hair. We do that did, and we get them nails did. And we get, man, we working on the outer veneer of the body. And God don't give a flying flip. Because if your spirit's right and your spirit's going to perish forever, what difference does it make? Because your spirit is the only thing that's eternal. That's temporal. It's going to die anyway. You're painting a rotten bar. We worry about what kind of car we drive. What kind of house we live in. What kind of label we wear. How we roll, correct, and haul. We worry about all this superfluous stuff. And God doesn't mind if you're blessed. But don't you put this body... In front of his spirit. Because anything you put in the body. In front of the spirit. Is your God. You got to stay home from church. To shine your boat. I hope you have a good time on the lake. Hope you don't drown. (laughs) You working on the body. You exalting the body. And the devils come to you from the lust of the eyes. He treats me bad. But he does take care of me. He pays the bills. He beats me and he talks about me and he verbally abuses me and I'm miserable and I don't like him and, but I love him. Come on, people. Get a brain. Your spirit. And when you're truly spirit, you don't even like the flesh because when you're regenerated in Christ, the things that used to exalt your flesh and you feel good, when you're truly sanctified, when you're truly regenerated, when you're truly saved, you don't even like the sights or sounds of that old life anymore. You don't want to be that person. You want to run as far away possible as you can be that person. You don't want to go back. You don't want to have to wrestle. You don't want to have to struggle. But all in the middle is this catalyst right here. Because if the devil can keep you around sin long enough that it gets in your soul, you'll think about it and you shouldn't be thinking about it. You'll ponder on it and you shouldn't be pondering it. You'll be tempted by it when you have no business being tempted by it. Let me, let, let, let me, let, let's, let's you think I'm just talking about sin, let's talk about mind behaviors. Let's talk about this taboo word in our culture now called mental health. And it's a mess. Unless you think I'm being harsh and critical, I'm working on my degree in clinical counseling. I want to be able to help people. I want to be able to help them through times. But the greatest help I'll ever give them is the word of God. And a healing Jesus. And if you're going to live your life on how you feel about it in your soul, you're already on your way to hell. Because you know what you've done? You've exalted how you feel about it. Above what he ever thought about it. You're out of order. You're out of alignment. That's why we perish. Because your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. I don't really feel like going to church. But you feel like going to work on Monday, don't you? Well, Sunday's the only day I have off. 
I'm glad Jesus didn't take a day off. Thank God for that. I'm not saying that there's not times. I'm not having, com- not, not having compassion. I'm saying we exalt this above everything else. I can't believe that preacher said that. He was mean to my friend. He wasn't mean to me, but he was mean to my friend. And because he was mean to my friend, now I'm going to be mad at him too. He didn't say it to me. He didn't do it to me, but he don't know how much I love. And I love that person more than I love him. Go ahead. Exalt your soul above the spirit. I'm not saying nobody's above reproach. I'm not saying everybody does everything right. But if you want to be controlled by your soul instead of the spirit and walk in unity and harmony, I don't have to agree with everything Josh Kodak does, but I agree with his future. I don't have to dice down every decision and every reaction and and reaction he has and and every response he has. But that's my brother in Christ. And if he's struggling, I'm struggling. If he's going through a hard time, I'm going through a hard time. If he's having success, I'm having success. If he's up, I'm up. If he's down, I'm going to help bring him up. I'm not going to get down there and waller and pet and pet that nasty spirit because the devil all of the time, his whole goal is to get either one of these in front of that one so that the spirit of God can't even get to you and all you see is your, is your flesh and your body and you're just upset and miserable about it all. Let me deal with the oppression and the depression. I just feel bad. It's a bad day. I just don't know how I'm going to do it. Oh, close the windows and doors. I don't even want to see anybody today. If you have never felt like that, you have never been human. So don't you think I'm throwing shade? Don't you think just because I'm loud and boisterous in personality that I don't wrestle with the other side of me? Because the reason I stay so excited is because I won't let let the devil hold me in defeat. I counter that by being positive. I counter that not only he he wants to remind me of my my frailties and my shortcomings and my weaknesses. I just remind him of his strengths. I just remind him I've already overcome. I've already whooped that devil. You might as well have to bring another one because I done whipped that one. And I'm tired of beating the same one. If you ain't got nothing new, just shut up and leave me alone. Right? So, he wants to get through your soul. And he'll use anything, any kind of measure of offense. Feel bad emotion. Oh, poor pitiful me. Look at that. God got it bad. I got it bad. I got it bad. I don't want to get up and go to work. I feel bad. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to talk to nobody. I don't want to see nobody. I feel bad. I feel bad. I, my toes aren't done. I haven't even done my toes. And I don't want nobody to see me like this. I just gotta... We waste opportunities and hours and minutes and seconds of life worrying about stuff that's going to pass away anyway. Your toes aren't going to be done in heaven. Your rouge and your lipstick and your mascara, you won't have to have it. You'll be so beautiful you won't need it. He'll still love you, I promise. You won't have to paint that barn no more. Glory to God. All right? But here's the deal. This is what you're going to live with. This is what you're going to die with if you neglect that over there. And this is all you got. And when, you, when you're done and it's all said and done, guess what you're going to hell with? How you felt about it. What you thought about it. What you didn't get up and do about it. And your body and your soul will be in eternal 
damnation. And you'll burn forever. Here's your choice. You can choose this side. Don't choose that side. Oh, come over here. Lord, don't get over there You're holier than that. Or you can say, no, God, I'm going to be the spirit being you have called me to be. Change my heart and change my mind. It's not, God, that I just don't want to do what I've always done. I don't want to be who I've always been. If you'll change your being, your doing will take place. I've already read that to you in Scripture. A good tree, if it's being a good tree, what's it going to do? Bear good fruit. If it's a bad tree, it's going to... If you'll worry about the being, let God handle the doing. You just be good. Be a follower of Christ. Be in the Spirit and get God's divine order. In your life, I'm a spirit person. And my spirit will tell, me, tell my soul how to feel about it. And once my soul has made up its mind, my body will follow and get in gear and do what the spirit of God tells me to do. Give the Lord praise right there. God's divine order is just that way. And it doesn't matter how mature or how seasoned or how young you are in your faith. The enemy is after your soul. And he wants to do anything he can to get you to elevate how you feel about it above anything else. Because it's through your soul he will control your body. And he knows that. He will do anything he can to keep you away from spirit at all. He don't want you to feel guilty. He don't want you to feel remorse. He don't want you to understand what, you may, what you're doing may be offending somebody. He doesn't understand that you're causing division and creating heartbreak and offense and abuse and doing that in others' lives. He just wants you to worry just about you. I'm concerned and I move with compassion but all, all, and also a spiritual frustration as I've watched this weekend and how they're now rioting over, uh, over this cop that, that killed the young man and that they, they've... Um, Press charges, went to trial, but they found him not guilty. Now all of these young people don't even know each other, but they're out there in the streets. And they're making noise. They want to be seen. They want to get on TV. They want to be heard. They just want to be heard. But I'm telling you what, the voices of man will never quench the thirst for man to be heard by God. You can rant. You can rave. You can party. You can do your thing. You can be like Samson and you can have your lap and Delilah all you want. You can have all the pleasures of this lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of this life all you want. Nothing, nothing, nothing will ever satisfy the human heart until the love of God enters in. You'll chase, you'll chase, and you'll chase. And we need to understand and not necessarily just, we don't need to ridicule them. We understand that those human hearts are seeking a savior. They're seeking something that will satisfy and fulfill and give validation and speak identity into that young life and say you have a purpose, you have a goal. You are powerful, but let's use it for good. You can be anointed, but let's use it for righteousness. You can you're a good tree, but let's produce good things. You you you're, you're good, you got some good foundation there, but you got to produce some righteous stuff. It's this whole regeneration it's almost like we just bypass. We get saved. We want to go to heaven and that's it. Folks, there's more to the story than that. He left us here that we could be witnesses unto him.
Speak identity into your loved ones. Speak it into your, your children, your family. Your brother and sister, they're wayward. You're the righteousness of God. And you don't know my brothers yet. They living like a heathen. You're the righteousness of God. God loves you. God has better for you. I know your soul's a little messed up right now. I know you're entrapped by all that lust of the eyes and the flesh and the pride of life stuff. I get that. But you're still a spirit being. And I speak to the spirit of God in you. And I believe that you're coming forth. And God's going to do a great work in your life. Uh, I was going to close with this. Remember the story in Ezekiel? I believe it's Ezekiel chapter 11. But he, Ezekiel's looking out and the prophet says, and God shows him this vision. And he shows him the valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel asks him this powerful question. Lord, can these bones live? And God asks him the question. And he says, Ezekiel says, Lord, only you know. Only you know if they can live, and you know what happens. He says, speak to the wind, to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Speak, speak to them. Speak to those dry bones, and I will breathe upon them. And what happened? You know the story. What happened? The bones began to rise up, right? One by one, began to attach themselves and get out. He said, wait a minute. It's not, it's not enough for them to be in the same vicinity. They've got to be connected. Ooh, I wish I had time to preach there, but I don't. It's not enough that I see you at church. It's vital that we be connected. Yeah. We got to be part of the vision of the house. If you're just going to watch and you're just going to assemble and lay in the valley, you're not doing the kingdom much good. You got to get connected to something. What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about getting involved in a ministry somewhere. I don't, if, it's, if it's a note sending ministry, send a note. If it's an email ministry, start an email ministry. Encourage somebody, send out the love of grace. Do something, usher, greet, pray, sing, uh, teach, uh, volunteer, get active, get connected to something. But he says, can these bones live? God says, yes, I'm going to breathe upon them. And then what happened when the bodies, the bones, began to come together? He says, I'm going to put sinews, I'm going to put cartilage and tendons, and I'm going to bind this thing together. And what you thought was broken, fragmented pieces, I could put together with just a breath. Glory to God, that's shouting ground right there, but I won't. Yet, I'm going to put everything together. So everything you thought was broken, dead, fragmented, left for dead, no one cared about, everyone else had forgotten, I still can do miracles in that. You know what we've got to do with souls? We've got to see them as a valley of dry bones that God can breathe breath and life into. And he can join them together. Now, when God brings them, what do we do? We're the muscles. We're the cartilage. We're the tendons. We're the things. We're the skin that overlays them. We're the things that get them and keep them connected to the body of Christ so that they can live this eternal life. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a role to play. If you've got something broken, you've got something missing, maybe you're lacking something. I want to remind you, just as God did it right in front of the prophet Ezekiel and those valleys of dry bones became as a mighty army in his sight God wants to put the pieces of your life back together the pieces of my life back together and bring divine order back into our lives I know this when God sets his order in your heart and life everything falls into place everything comes together everything just happens almost effortlessly the things that we struggle and try for when we get in divine order God just puts into place. And if God did it for them and God did it for Ezekiel, 
I know God wants and can do it for us. Stand with me if you will. God loves you today. And God wants you to feel a new sense of new beginning and a regeneration. God wants you to know in your heart that, he, that not only that he loves you, but that he cares for you. And he sees that when our order gets misaligned. He, he sees that, that when we're not living as spirit beings and we're damaged and we're hurt and we're broken and we're fragmented and we're discouraged and we're despondent and we're struggling with oppression and, and battling depression and we're just, we're just really just fighting just for existence. God, just as he did with the prophet Ezekiel, looks out across that valley and he sees something entirely different. He sees a mighty army. He sees a purpose. And one by one, he began to put those bones together. Once each assembled to the other, I'm, I'm glad I didn't have to borrow Cody's leg bone because it, it wouldn't have fit. Everything would have been, no, but he gave me mine back. N- notice, notice whatever you've lost, God's going to give you your stuff back. My stuff might be different than your stuff, but God's still giving you stuff back. And what belongs to you, God will make sure it gets to you. And he'll put it all together. And then all of a sudden, he's going to wrap things in his spirit. He's going to wrap people, places and things and purpose and destiny all around you and cover it. And he sees it as a mighty army. God sees you as a part of his mighty army. He don't want to see you broken. He don't want to see you wounded and hurt, disconnected, disjointed, unregenerated. God wants to see you whole. Let's exalt him today above everything else. That God, if you created me to be a spirit being, that's who I want to be. If you want to be Lord of my life and have dominion over my mind, will, and emotions and my body, God, I give it to you. I surrender my life to your will. Here's what I want us to do today. I want to pray a prayer. But here's what I want us to do. Uh, We're going to do this. I'm going to give an invitation. If you don't know the Lord and you've never known him or you've come back to the Lord, I want you to meet me down front. And we're going to be, we'll pray with you. But if you're everybody else and we just want to be joined, here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to come down front, but I do want you to kind of step out into the aisle and let's bridge together. Let's connect one with another. If you can reach somebody, great. If you can, I understand, but if you can reach somebody. And I want us to pray that God will make us a mighty army, that he'll regenerate our hearts and we'll continue to grow in being a spirit being and let him lead us. Let him lead our mind, our will, and our emotions, and our bodies, our functions, our ministries. So if you would, would you just stretch across that aisle and maybe grab a hand with someone or lock hearts and arms and let's just do this together as the Lord binds us together. He has a great purpose for your life. You're not here by accident today. You're here by God's divine appointment. If you need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'd love to cherish the chance to, to pray with you. But we'll pray a prayer of repentance all together. And we'll, we'll do that as the body. In fact, would you repeat after me this morning and be so kind and gracious? Lord Jesus, I stand here today in greater need of you than ever before. I've heard your word. I've been challenged. I need to live according to your spirit. Not my flesh, not my eyes, not how I feel about it, but by what you say about it. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Let me experience true regeneration. I want to be holy. I want to be used of you. I want to produce good fruit. Save my family. Save my loved ones. Save me, O God. Forgive me of all my wrongdoing. 
and keep me close. In Jesus' name. Guard my brother and my sister. Watch over them and keep them as we hold on to you together. Lead us forward in your grace to accomplish your will for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord praise here this morning. While you're there, I want us to pray one more prayer. There, there are several, several, several that are sick. Brother Ed's recovering from sur- surgery, and he's still in some pain and, and having some complications. And there's several more that are sick. You know about many of them. I know about many of them. But God knows about all of them. Can we just pray a prayer for them that God will uh, heal them and bring them to a quick recovery this week and do his great work in their lives? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our healer. We thank you, God, you're the one who restores. God, you're the one who mends. You're the one who heals. And Lord, I just pray for all of those who are battling sickness and affliction, those who are going through medical procedures and processes, God. Lord, we pray for a a quick and speedy recovery that you would do your great work in their life. We bless them in the name of Jesus. Now, God, undergird them, strengthen them, be with them this week, God, and we thank you. We'll give you the praise and the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Shake about 20 hands before you leave today. Tell one another, I'm so glad you made it to the house of the Lord.